Welcome to The Friday Habit with Benjamin Manley and Mark Labriola II. The Friday Habit is for creators, entrepreneurs, and agency owners looking for actionable ideas on how to grow their business and be more profitable. We'll pull from our combined knowledge of over 20 years and interview thought leaders that will inspire you and give you the motivation you need to kick your business into high gear. Buckle up. It's Friday. All right, we're picking up our conversation with serial entrepreneur Jeremy Parker. Uh, and so if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back one week and listen to that. And then you're in luck. Right after that, you can binge listen to this episode. So let's jump back in with our conversation with Jeremy. What were some of the major hurdles you faced when you first got started with swag? Like, you know, and then how did you solve some of those problems? <laughs> Yeah, with swag, it's actually been pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, obviously, there's been hurdles up and down with every business, and especially in 2020 was beyond crazy. And I could get into that in a second. With swag.com starting, I think we took a very, I think the right approach, honestly, when you're starting a business where it's all about learning and just get something out the door because you never are going to know what to ultimately build. So launch something, learn, launch, build the right platform so you know that you're not building stuff that won't be used. I think that gave us confidence that. You know, you have to obviously figure out the user experience. That's something else. You're not necessarily going to have the right user experience from day one. We have this uh, swag in the box feature, which allows people to build fully custom branded boxes for sending it to their remote employees, to sending it to their best customers, to engage their best leads and give them that great experience. So we wanted to automate the experience and making it easy for them to build it automatically. But we're now on our third version. We're starting to rebuild a new version to upgrade it and make it better. We're... This last version just allowed people to buy one box at a time, right? Because that's what we thought initially. Who's going to want to buy multiple different types of boxes, right, at the same time? Like, But we've realized a lot of our customers might want one box for their best customers and one box for their best employees, and they might want to buy at the same time. So how do you do that? How do you like? So we had to keep changing the structure. So we realized that a lot of people want to add products to the boxes that might not be customized. They could be unbranded, like cool snacks as a way to make it more of like a gift. So how do you add that? So like we've been constantly trying to learn from our customers and readapt and make the experience just just better. Um, so that's kind of just more of a learning. 2020 in terms of overcoming obstacles, I, I mean, I cannot be prouder of our team or what we've been able to accomplish. The whole promotional product industry was down over 40% last year, wow. which makes a lot wow. of sense, right? Because you have all the office managers not buying for the office because no one's in the office and you have the trade shows mm-hmm. and marketers not buying for trade shows because there are no trade shows and the HR managers buying for onboarding new hires. No one's getting hired. So just put yourself yeah. in perspective of a business. We did 200,000 the first week of March. The second week of March when the pandemic hit, we did 19,000. So to have a wow. team, to have a growing team to go from like, it was terrifying. And what we're really proud of our team, we've done a lot of things. We threw, we started making face masks which is a weird product to sell for promotional products. You wouldn't think it, but we did it and we offered the first product ever on our site that didn't need to have a logo on it. So people could just buy blank face masks to give to their coworkers and to their team members, which was very valuable because a lot of our companies had no access. And we had all these manufacturing access who were converting their t-shirt apparel to making masks. So that was one thing. We were also able to donate a big chunk of those masks. So like every hundred masks that were bought, we donated to 10 to people in need, like homeless shelters, first responders. So we were able to donate over 5,000 masks last year, which was pretty amazing. We also pivoted, really kind of focused and jumped in on distribution platform. So right now, everyone's working so remotely. Just so you guys know, you probably don't know this, but promotional products, the majority of the industry, everything is bought in bulk and shipped to one address. So what we realize is now everyone is working remotely. 
everyone is not engaging with their customers. They're not going to that trade show. What if we could build a platform? We were building this two years ago because we saw the sign of you know work from home culture growing. But what if you could allow people to buy swag in bulk, hold it in what we call our online swag closet, and allow them to distribute it and send T-shirt to one address or to a thousand of addresses at once, or to capture the address of the recipients and what T-shirt size they are, where they're located, and distribute it, or whether they want to build a marketing closet or the the London office or New York office and do permission settings and approval flows and make it like a really robust platform for swag management and distribution. That's probably going to be needed in this new work from home culture. So we were able to go from six point nine, almost seven million in two thousand nineteen to over 15 million in 2020, when everybody is down 40%, we grew more than 100%. And it had to do with this distribution platform and being able to quickly adapt to the changing environment. Yeah, I, it's funny, when when I saw that on your site, the two things that made me really excited to talk to you when I looked at your website was the uh, branded box where you can literally order all your different swag products and they all get packed for you in a custom box. I was like, that's brilliant. And then when I saw that you actually hold inventory for people, you can buy multiple things. I was like, First of all, it's a genius business model because people can buy more from you at once, which is brilliant. And they don't have to worry about shipping to individual people. I was like, I was like, okay, I, I, <laughs> I have so many questions and, and, and I'm excited to talk to you. So one of the other things I was going to ask you is with swag.com, it feels like there's so many different complexities to it. So I was curious, like, what, what are the biggest parts of your business? Because I'm thinking, okay, shipping is probably a really big part of it. The printing aspect, you know, and then obviously building software because you have a great website and you have to build, you know, a great web platform. So, and I'm sure there's a lot more I'm not considering. So like, what are some of the, the biggest challenges with a business like that? And what parts do you outsource? You know, do you outsource manufacturing or do you do internally? I'm just curious, like how all that stuff kind of works and what the biggest challenges are. Yeah, it's it's you. You hit the nail on the head. It is insanely complex business. So what we do is we've curated the best suppliers in the industry. So we've constantly been testing and refining and curating and making sure we're working with the best suppliers. But we don't make anything in house. All of our like, if we get a, a hundred notebook order, we have the right supplier that we funnel it to, and they produce it and they ship it directly to the customer. That's how it typically works. But the challenge now, when we add distribution, all those products are now shipped to our 3PL provider that we're using. And we're going to be building our own facility as well in conjunction with the 3PL that we're working. So we have integrations with different fulfillment centers all over the country. One's in Oklahoma City, one's in New York, all these different places so that it makes the shipping for customers a lot easier. But everything needs to be integrated through our front-end e-commerce experience. But there's a lot of complications. So just imagine you're, you're a customer that's buying 100 boxes. And in your 100 boxes has notebooks, water bottles, pens, stickers, mugs, etc., all these different products are being produced at different locations and they all need to be consolidated at our 3PL to be kitted and packaged up. Yep. Now imagine in transit, somebody has a hundred boxes and they're you know ordered in those boxes, each box has a mug. Now a hundred mugs get sent to our 3PL and three are broken in mm-hmm. transit. Something like completely out of our control. UPS breaks them or UPS loses something. Yep. It happens all the time. So we have to adjust. Now instead of buying a hundred mugs, we buy 105 to account for the damage. But what if still six get broken? I mean, all these things happen. So now one person's not going to get a mug. So you yeah. got to talk to the customer and apologize and give a refund, but still not a great experience because now one of their employees or one of their best customers doesn't get what they intended. Yeah. So we have to reorder the mug, but that could take time to get it back into. So there's a lot of moving parts that we just need to make sure things go as smooth as possible. And there's definitely there definitely could be issues. You know, We had an order today where somebody bought 200 sweatshirts and 190 got delivered and UPS lost a box of 10. 
Now, you're not going to find that 10, and we can't hold up the order to be distributed for those 10. So we have to reprint the thing, reship it, but it's delaying the customer about 14 days to get all their boxes out at the same time. Yeah. So it's a lot about managing expectations with customers mm-hmm. and trying to also manage all the different intricacies and things that, frankly, are a lot of out, out of our control. Right. I mean, and that's just how the industry is. It just There's no there's going to be no company in our industry that's going to be able to produce 3,000 different types of products. Right. You know, you would need a screen printer to do t-shirts. You need a different machine to do embossed for, you know, notebooks. You need another printing, digital printing for to do water bottles. You need an engraver. You need this. It would literally be an impossibility to have every single type of product under one roof being produced. Right. It would be crazy. And that's why even the companies in our space that are multi-billion dollar companies, they also are, are outsourcing it to other people. It's, mm. it's impossible. But when you add the complexity of kidding yeah. and, and storage and distribution, it makes it it makes it challenging, and that's why, frankly, a lot of people don't do it. There's yeah. very few companies in our space that are even trying to do it. Right. And what's exciting is we know there's a market for it. We know how challenging it is. So if it's challenging for us, it's gonna be challenging for anybody. And as long as we keep chipping away at the problems and solving the problems and 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 learning from our customers and what the issues are, and making it right for our customers as much as possible, and really having customer obsessed, customer first, I think in a year from now, two years from now, we're gonna be in a place. Or we're so far ahead of every single other company in terms of this distribution platform. And our belief is distribution is the future. It, you know, the more remote we get, the more disconnected people are, the more swag has a real impact in a business and how company culture uh, remains strong. So we're, we're really confident what we're doing. It's, but it takes time. It's for sure. It's, it's complicated. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So to me, when you talk about all these complexities, my first thought is there's no way that you can know everything that's going on all the time. So to me, I mean, that's my assumption, but I'm like, there's, so to me, it's like you, well, it seems like a lot of your job then would be managing relationships because you created this really complex system that basically is relationships between people because you're not necessarily printing them or doing this part or that part but you have all these you pick the best of the best in all these different areas and you have them connected in a very organized way so when an order gets placed everything happens automatically to some degree i'm sure and then for you how do you what does your day-to-day look like are you managing a team of people who manage everything else and so you have a few key people that you put in charge of different areas and that's how you're able to get so much done or how does that work yeah, it's a combination. It's definitely that part. Like, there's no way I could have my hand in everything. You know, we have a operations team that handles the day to day orders and are dealing with the suppliers and, you know, the stock levels, all of that. We have the marketing team that's obviously figuring out ways to engage customers and get in front of customers. We have the logistics team that's managing the 3PL and all of those kind of intricacies. If, you know, things are missing, things are broken, UPS lost a package. We listen, if, if we ship a package out to a customer and the customer doesn't get it, it's our fault, even if it's UPS's sure, fault. So yeah. we have to figure out ways to resolve things. So we have the logistics team. Then we have the customer success team that's figuring out ways how to engage with the customers and explain to the customers when things go wrong. And we have the sales team that's onboarding new customers. So there's all these different divisions, all these different managers. And you know we have an amazing team. So we're very proud and we feel confident that the team is able to manage everyone beneath them. For my day-to-day, I'm, I'm in charge of product and tech. So in terms of the design, the website, the branding, everything you see on the front of the site, all the user experience, how the site functions, that's that's me. Mm-hmm. So I manage the designers, I'm coming up with the ideas and building. And that's how it happened from the very beginning. Now, because I'm not necessarily talking to customers face-to-face, it's, it's a little bit harder, frank, honestly, mm. to learn exactly what the customers want. So right. I have to rely on my team. So we have like a very open door policy that all my customer success people, when they're speaking to 
you know, customers, if they get feedback or anything that needs to be changed, they're constantly sending me ideas. Jeremy, what about this? What about this? And they're not user experience people, but they give me the idea of what needs to be solved. And once there's enough things that are like the same issue that keeps happening, then we have to go to the drawing board, redesign it, make it better or add a new feature. And then I manage the tech team to actually develop it. So we have a very quick process of building things. And we're frankly never building something at this point where a customer, at least one customer, and usually many customers did not already ask for or already realize it's such a painful situation. Hmm. Like for example, I'll give you an example. Like we have a, a giveaway feature where it allows people to send a link, like a branded page. So imagine you're Facebook and you're launching an event, a virtual event, and you want to give to everyone who signs up for your virtual event, you want to give them something. But you don't know where they live. You don't know t-shirt size they are. So on our site, in a second, they could upload their logo, select their colors. It creates for them a landing page that they could share with all the recipients. The recipients could say, I want this notebook or I want this t-shirt. Or you could choose three out of four things. I want this t-shirt. I'm going to choose a medium or a large. Input my address. It speaks to our system to distribute it. Yeah. How we built this platform originally, and this is a, it's a great feature, it's very used, but how we built it originally is that, let's say you want to launch a t-shirt, it's going to allow the recipient to choose any size t-shirt. It's not really going to be tied to what's in stock. Hmm. And that once somebody chooses smalls, if they didn't have the stock to handle it, they would just need to buy some smalls to distribute it to those recipients, which is good for some customers and not good for other customers. Yeah. Other customers would say, I only want to offer what I actually have in stock. And once that stock runs out, I want the giveaway to automatically end. Hmm. So now we have to build the next flow. So hmm. it's always kind of like launching something really quick, seeing yeah. the feedback, work, doing workarounds, learning yeah. what needs to be fixed, and then you know, keep adding new features and making it better. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it's basically constantly iterating, testing. It's almost like a scientific yeah. process. Like, oh, here's our hypothesis. It's what they want. We do it, test it. Okay, here's what we learned, and now we now we tweak it. Exactly right. So, as far as your growth goes, it sounds like you know Swag.com has grown pretty quickly. In the beginning, you were pound the pavement with your co-founder and like signing up clients. At what point did you start adding new roles? And I'm assuming in the beginning it was you signing a client and then also figuring out the distribution and, and, and all that stuff. So you were kind of in the weeds on everything. How, how many employees do you have now? Now we have a little bit over 50 employees. Okay. And yeah, 50 getting, employees, and I'm sure a bunch of partners and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll tell you, yeah, not not including the suppliers, the supply network, the logistics network, and their employees. It's a, totally, I mean, a ton. But for yeah. our core business, we have about 32 in New York and about, I think, 19 at this point uh, developers. So broken down a little bit, and we're adding. We just hired two more people today. So by this end of this year, we should probably have you know closer to 65 to 70 employees um, all in. And you're exactly right. The first year of business, I always say, we were the CEO, we were the co-founders, we were also head of sales, we were <laughs> operations team, we were head intern. I know for our first WeWork order, which is a crazy story, we went to WeWork. This is our second customer ever. And they asked us who else we work with, and we said Facebook. Yeah. We weren't lying. <laughs> they probably assumed we had thousands of other customers, but it was really just Facebook. And they said, hey, can you uh, help us out with a $20,000 order for this summer camp? I don't know if you guys have ever been to the WeWork summer camps, but there's this huge party, and our idea was... We do not care about how much money we make. We know all of our t-shirts have imprinted on the inner label, swag.com. Mm -hmm. We made this with our tagline. So it would be like the ultimate viral marketing. If they give it out to 5,000 camp members, they're all founders, they're all working at companies, they're on the marketing yep. team, Perfect. all wearing swag.com branded t-shirts, which says we, we work, gets the social proof, amazing. So we had no experience doing this. We, had, we didn't have the resources to hire people to roll the t-shirts. So what we did is we printed all these t-shirts, we shipped it all to my house, my family's house in Englewood, 
hide my grandma, my aunts, my uncles, my dad. I have pictures. It's crazy. And we spend three days rolling T-shirts. Like it was, it was beyond crazy. 5,000 T-shirts. It doesn't sound so crazy. But you see 5,000 T-shirts and have to roll. It was insane. It was literally insane. Like my back was killing us. Renting a U-Haul. Drove six miles, six hours to the campsite. It was, we did everything. And then we went, we're on the summer camp and people are like, swag.com, swag.com. That led to literally a hundred new customers for us. That one order, which we probably lost money. We definitely lost money if you incorporate the time. Labor and something like that. Yeah. We definitely (laughs) lost money. It was horrible. But it brought us so many more customers and it gave us this legitimacy early on of, wow, clearly we were trust swag.com. We should trust them as well. Wow. You know, that's funny. It reminds me of our episode. I think it's episode 34 with Kevin Aruccia. Uh, He also hired his family members. I feel like among like really like (laughs) fast growing entrepreneurs that I've seen a theme of like, you know what? Hey, we got to make this happen. Like, hey, family, do you want a job for a couple of weeks? Like, let's make this happen. It's like whatever resources you have, like we got to make this happen. You have to. And that's it. If you have no resources, your family, hopefully, if you're lucky, your family is is willing to help out. Right. That's awesome. So what are some things that you do to kind of uh, stay sharp and to motivate yourself? I mean, do you, do you, are you, are you reading anything right now or? I wish I could say yes, but no, honestly, I, I have one thing for me. My schedule is all crazy at this point. I'm living in San Diego with my in-laws and especially with COVID, my wife was pregnant. So I was living in my parents' house in New Jersey, trying to get out of New York um, to be a little safer. We didn't know how COVID would affect uh, you know pregnancy. But yeah. usually when things are, are normalized, I, I have like an hour and a half routine every morning where I wake up and I either do like an hour workout, half an hour walk or an hour walk and half an hour workout just to kind of clear my head and take time for myself. Because I know once I get to the web, I get to the computer, it's, I'm all in. And I'm one of these kind of people who's very intense. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm nonstop and I'm trying to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And if I feel like I'm not doing enough, then I feel like something's bad or I had a, a faulty day or I, mm-hmm. I'm not proud of the day. So I want to be proud of every single day and try to be as consistent as possible, which I think for entrepreneurship is really the most important thing. Like you might not ha- need to have the best days every day or the best months, every, but as long as you're kind of doing things consistently and you keep doing it and you keep trying to improve and you're always trying to get better, you're going to find some sort of success because you're, you're going to keep this. You're always going to be better than you were the week before, the month before, the year before. And as long as you keep doing it, you're going to be in a, such a different place than you were when you started. Hmm. Earlier, you mentioned, you know, reaching out to Mark Cuban and kind of taking that kind of just like shot in the dark kind of like, hey, like, you know, who knows what will happen. One thing I wonder about is having a mentor. You know, I don't know if he kind of became a mentor to you or someone else. And I know you had mentioned that you had, had followed someone I was just curious with that and how you kind of create a relationship with that without feeling like you're just like leeching off the other person and be like, you know, how can you add value back to them? Or have you found that people that are ahead of you in these things are like willing to share with you? How do you develop those relationships? Do you say, hey, let's go grab lunch? Or what are some things that you would share on that? Yeah, that's a good question. No, I definitely formed a relationship with the CEO of MV Sport. Okay. Um, I would I would consider him a mentor. I learned a lot from him. Um, but I think he enjoyed, you know, creativity. He was one of these guys who's become super successful, 900 plus employees. And I think he liked how, you know, I thought outside the outside of the box and he liked brainstorming with me. Like I even gave him some ideas that he used for the MV Sport marketing and for, they also own a company called Weatherproof Garment Company and how they market stuff. So I think, I think you definitely have to give something of value because at some point it's going to be maybe one conversation, but they're not going to keep wanting to give stuff exactly. if you're also not giving as well. Yep. Um, but I would say my biggest mentor is my dad. You know, I, as I mentioned before, my dad's an entrepreneur and he thinks about things 
sometimes in the same way, many times in a completely different way that I think. So I like to throw ideas off of him and seeing how he reacts to it. Um, and I think it's important. So I just been, I think very lucky that I have a, a built-in family mentor. Um, but I've had definitely mentor mentors across the board with Jesse Itzler, who obviously is very successful working with him, with him for three years. I learned a lot just being around him, you know, just even through the stories of how he started and how his everyday and how he approaches problems, just trying to learn as much as I can and try to soak up everything. And I think as an entrepreneur, you just need to be, try to put yourself in the right position, but know that you don't always have the answer. So that's really the most important thing. Just put yourself there and you might find yourself in a completely different place than you ever expected. Like when I was a film major, I never thought I would be the CEO of swag.com. I never thought I'd be selling promotional products. It's like, I never thought I would be dealing with YouTube stars. I never thought I would be dealing with, I thought I was going to be potentially a filmmaker. And I think as you grow, you kind of, you kind of see opportunities and you kind of say, well, I see something, I'm going to just pounce on it mm. and I'm going to be okay putting myself out there yeah. and being okay with rejection, okay with failure. Um, and I think just being okay with those things, you're always going to get ahead. Yeah. That, that's so good. Well, Jeremy, um, thank you so much for being a part of our, our show and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with our audience and with us. And um, yeah, I, I, I just really appreciate you, you taking the time. Uh, ben, give us your top five takeaways. I know you probably have a lot more than five. So if you want all of Ben's takeaways from this episode, make sure you go on and uh, read the show notes, go to the Fridayhabit.com and get them there. But Ben, if you had top five takeaways from, from today's episode, what would that be? Mm. I'd say one of them, um, you don't have to have everything together before you launch a new business or product. Two, spend time learning at first and getting to know your customer instead of making a profit. Three, fear kills more dreams than failure ever could. Four, don't be motivated only by money, but be motivated by seeing an idea come alive in the world. And five, put yourself in the right position, even if you don't have the answers, and be okay with putting yourself out there and failing. Mm. That's awesome. Hey, Jeremy, we like to usually leave our audience with um, an action item for for the next week to to say, all right, uh, next week I'm going to do this one thing. If you could maybe encourage a young entrepreneur or somebody who's coming up, what would be the one thing that you would encourage them to do and, and take an action on? Yeah, I think well, every, every single, with everybody, with and I had a conversation actually two nights ago with my uh, somebody in my family about this, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. And I say, you got to put a deadline on things. Because a lot of times, if you don't put a deadline, you're going to say you want to do it, and then you're going to make excuses for it. And I think by putting, and also usually with entrepreneurship, you're never going to be ready. Whether you give yourself a deadline of a week or a month or a year, the day before the deadline hits, you're going to you're going to be you're not going to feel ready. So you might as well put a deadline a lot earlier and accomplish it, and just get something out into the world and get feedback. Don't be scared to put your to to actually make the start. I think making the start, taking the first step, is the hardest thing. But once you do that. You're gonna be in a such different place. You're gonna you're 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 gonna start being able to capture information and learn from it and adapt and kind of find your path. But I think it's kind of that first step that people are really scared to do. So just put yourself out there and hold yourself accountable and and, and set set a specific date that things need to be done. I think you'll you'll make it happen. Mm, I love that. Set a deadline. If there's something going on, if you're working on something, put a deadline to it because that is going to push you to uh, to to get it done and to meet that deadline. Uh, hey, if people want to connect with you and uh, follow what you're doing, where where can uh, they get in touch with you? Yeah, obviously you can reach out to me. My email is jeremy at swag.com and you can obviously check us out at swag.com and we'd love to help you out whether you're looking for 
swag for your, for your own employees or for your best customers or to help close leads or to help humanize virtual events, anything. We would love to help you produce the swag, hold the swag, distribute the swag. And, uh, and obviously, if you don't want swag, you just want to reach out, be happy to chat as well. Awesome. Well, hey, you guys, thanks so much. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com to find show notes for this episode and all of Ben's takeaways, not just his top five. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch with us. And at the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that's going to show you how to set aside one full day each week to dedicate working on your business instead of in your business. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, don't forget to record us a quick voice memo and just email it to hello at thefridayhabit.com. That's right. And until next time, live every day like it's Friday.